Hello and welcome to the Cicada Lounge podcast. Uh, my name is Jordan Foster, as always, and joining me today is the fantastic Mr. Billy Heaney. Now, Billy is a zoologist, is also um, a, a really, really good filmmaker and presenter, and he's had stuff shown on TV quite recently. And the, how me and Billy met originally was we were collaborating on a short film together. Um, he was doing the voiceover for it and I was supplying, I was producing and editing this small piece for the Brighton Dolphin Project uh, based on the South Coast, which is an arm of the World Cetacean Alliance. So both um, organisations study, catalogue and uh, do research on different cetaceans which is marine mammals like dolphins porpoises whales that kind of thing all on the south coast and that was it was really great really really great uh, meeting him then so i thought i'd reach out to him and see what he's been getting up to over the lockdown period and it turns out he's been getting up to quite a lot on in through the lockdown period to be fair he's put me to shame he's been filming all kinds of different animals with camera traps and and, and, and long lenses he's got this area just behind uh, where he's been in lockdown which is like woodlands and fields and and um like open green areas so he's been getting a lot of footage of things like badgers uh, we talk a lot about camera traps and what you can get with get on camera traps and things and how much they are and how important they are especially if you're into your um having a look and seeing what's around in your in your native habitats and your gardens and your homes and things like that uh, we talk about um, him, uh, his recording of uh, pine martins and the reintroduction of pine martins in, into the UK, in some areas of the UK. Uh, that was really, really interesting. Uh, we go into it more on that. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but yeah, really, really good um, chat with Billy. Thank you so much again, uh, Billy, for coming on. Um, but yeah, aside from that, a little bit of a disclaimer. The first... Um, the first two minutes of the interview, for some reason, the Zoom app that we're using to record this and have a chat long distance uh, during lockdown, it didn't pick up my microphone for the first two minutes. So the, the first two minutes is there's a slight um, slight difference in audio uh, with my mic um, and, and, and that's it. Like I said, first two minutes and then it's gone. Uh, it just pops back in. I have no idea what, what happened. But yeah, aside from that, let's jump straight into it. Sweet. Well, thank you very much, Billy, for coming on the show. Really thank you very much for having it. me. Nice to see you. Yeah, and you, buddy. It's um, I think the last time me and you had any kind of a chat was when we were talking about the, what was it, World Cetacean Alliance Dolphin Project in Brighton? Yeah, it was the Brighton Dolphin Project. You put together a sort of promo film and I narrated it, I think, didn't I? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a couple of years ago now. It was. Yeah, it really was. I mean, they've come on leaps and bounds. The amount of... Have you been keeping up to date with them? You're an Yeah, no, I see. I do see what they're up to. Um, yeah. It's good. The engagement that they've been doing down there is fantastic. And they've been having some really quite good sightings recently as well, actually. Quite a few bottlenose have been going yes. past the coast, haven't they? Yeah, they have, yeah. I think, um, oh, well, with everything that's been going on with COVID-19, obviously that's put a bit of a dent in the amount of tours that they can have to go and see dolphins yeah. and they, it's really it's a bit of a seasonal thing as well so they can only do it during the summer yeah. but now that people are starting to go out and you know all, all of that's starting to clear up hopefully we don't get another spike yeah, um, fingers crossed yeah more sightings I'll, I'll be really excited to see more sightings because you're getting a lot of people especially fishermen 
that are yeah. just recording them on their phones. And they're yeah, absolutely just ping no, it's fantastic. Yeah. And did you see the uh, slightly bigger thing with the humpback off Devon a couple of days ago? I did not. No, humpback. it went round. It went round on Twitter. There's a fisherman. It was quite lumpy out there actually the other day. Yeah, and uh, he was just. I think he was coming back in, and this humpback just like breaches right off his bow, probably like five meters away from the boat. Wow, really? yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, 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 it was off Devon the other day. Uh, South Devon, I forget. Uh, it was Lime Bayway, not far from Plymouth, I think. Right, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. So that was really cool. Oh, that is sick. No, it's um. You've got a bit of experience with um marine, marine animals yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I've so, seen a lot of your stuff from Cornwall, basking sharks, seals, all of that kind of stuff down Cornwall. Yeah, I lived in Cornwall for just shy of eight years. I only moved out uh, just before lockdown, actually. Um, right. So I went down to Cornwall to study at Exeter University on my Falmouth campus, and I studied zoology down there. Yeah, and then carried straight on and did a masters by research which i did over two years yeah studying gray seals so i spent a lot lot of time on the cornish coast on the north coast looking at gray seals using cameras to sort of assess haul out use over season time and tides and looking at like human disturbance and stuff like that but yeah. whilst i was living down there particularly through undergrad in the first year of my masters i spent a lot of time as a tour guide with a company called AK Wildlife Cruises and i was taking people out on boats looking for coastal marine life so that could be anything from you know, peregrine falcons and, wow. and seals to porpoises, um, common dolphins, yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. And um, quite lucky that we have the bottom-nosed dolphins cruise around Cornwall fairly regularly. There's sort of a population around there in the southwest that kind of just keeps swimming round and round. Yeah, yeah. Down the coastline. So every now and then, you, if you're lucky, you bump into them because um, they don't stay in one spot. And right. um, yeah, had lots of amazing sightings out there. Yeah, saw basking sharks a few times. Um Sadly, you know, the numbers of Cornwall have been useless the last few years. Something's going on, which is a shame. Um, and the occasional minky whale and Rizzo's dolphins, which were just, yeah, absolutely fantastic. That's really cool. So what, what made you want to move? If it's if there's absolute plethora and amazing ecosystem for all these animals. Yeah, I, I didn't, to be honest. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, no, it was kind of thinking career-wise, um, sort of earning money in Cornwall is... there's not great mm. um so i was sort of planning to sort of crack into a bit more being based around bristol with the sort of the career that i'm trying to get into is mm. kind of the hub um so we actually our flat rent was up in the middle of feb so we thought we'll move now um and in hindsight i'm very glad we did yeah because had we stayed financially we would have been scuppered big time with right. everything that's been going on recently and we wouldn't have been able to afford the flat so we did we temporarily thought we'd move in with my girlfriend's folks where we thought, okay, they're just north of Bristol. We'll be there four to six weeks, find a new place to rent, sort jobs out. And obviously this year happened. So we're still there, but, um, right. I see. So that's why we moved out of Cornwall was just to try and sort of career prospects more than anything. And right. but my, I will be moving back as soon as I can, basically. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Is this career, uh, prospects, things like presenting and filmmaking and things like that? Yeah, so it's obviously the Bristol's the hub for a lot of the natural history filmmaking in the UK. Right. Um, Netflix has got offices there now as well. Um, and there's lots of sort of independents that do stuff. There's like Plimpsoll and Silverback as well as the natural history unit for the BBC. Hmm. Um, so I moved up there to well to be around it because I've got friends that work in the industry. So I was kind of like just trying to worm my way in. And um, I mean, I managed to do a few freelancey things through lockdown, which has been great, but they're very inconsistent um, right. and sort of 
career prospects for my girlfriend as well. It's kind of like more of a hub for arty stuff up around there as well. So we thought it'd be a good place to be. We can get to Cornwall on a Friday night quite quickly to go back down to see mates for the weekend kind of thing, go surfing and then come back up on a Sunday night. So that was the plan. And obviously then not too far from London, really. Right. Uh, sort of Essex way where my family's from. So um, so that's why we moved up there. Oh, fair enough. It yeah, was to sort of crack in. So yeah, it's a slow, it's obviously so competitive and everything, but I mean, I've managed to do a few little bits. So just hoping that I can find the next one sooner rather than later. Oh, fair enough. Were you raised and born and raised in Essex, did you say? On the Hearts Essex border, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of, um, I went to school in Hertfordshire, hmm. uh, not the posh bit, um, <laughs> but sort of went to school in Broxbourne, sort of grew up. Um, we're just like half hour north of Liverpool Street on the train. We're not far from the city centre in London uh, on the train. Um, but I live in a little, my folks currently live in a little village called Nazing, which we moved to when I was about 14. So right. I'm here for for this. I've been working in London this week, so I'm up here now. Um, so yeah, so from the Hearts Essex border and then yeah, moved to Cornwall when I was 18. And then, yeah, I only moved out. Um, well, I was down there nearly eight years. So yeah, it's a long time. So that, that feels like home more than this place does, to be honest. No, I bet it does. I mean, me, me and the missus, and before we even met even, um, Cornwall was sort of like the ultimate destination for a summer holiday, as it is for many, many families. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, yeah, sorry, what were we saying? No, 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 you go first, you go first. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, like, it was either Cornwall or Scotland, because my stepdad was Scottish. So you either had like lush sands and crabs and like potential to go rock pooling and seals and things like that or deer. <laughs> and sideways rain if you are. Yeah, that's it. Well, it goes uphill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It fills your wellies up from the ground up. Um, yeah, I absolutely love Scotland. I'm quite lucky that I've spent a lot of time up there over the last four or five years, sort of two weeks here, a week there kind of thing. Um, I was actually up in Scotland I got back a week before lockdown hit. So once we moved out of the flat, we thought, right, let's go have a quick holiday because our mates live there. So it's a, it's a sort of a budget holiday for us because we can stay with friends. So all we've got to do is pay the fuel to get up there kind of thing. So we're like, oh, okay, we might as well do it now while we've got time. And you had a, just had the most phenomenal sort of 10 days up there. It was amazing. That's cool. Sorry, I've just got to sort my mic out. No because, because I'm in... Um... I'm essentially inside a um, a cupboard. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a cupboard. Studio. Yeah, that's it. My recording studio is essentially a wardrobe, so it's picking up so many different like because I'm in a flat as well, and there's people above us and below us, so it's literally picking up every single noise above and below. So I've got to make sure everything's got like um, like a shoe underneath it or something like that, or it picks up vibrations of absolutely everything. When I do narrations at the minute, uh, I sort of, yeah, I don't have a recording studio. So the cheap man's way of doing it is I have a lapel mic, which I plug in. And then yeah. I sit on the bed on the duvet and I put a blanket over my head. So that it kind <laughs> of like gets, makes a nice soft sort of furnishing studio and kind of gets out all the background noise. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, no, I've done that before plenty of times. But if, uh, if, that, if all else fails, just sit in a cupboard. <laughs> Pretend you're Harry Potter. Happy. Yeah, that's it. Exactly right. But yeah, so no, it's good to know a bit more of your background and uh, what you're aspiring to. But right now, I, is it? I, I swear you're a part of the the Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust. The Wildlife Trust. Yeah. So I teamed up with the Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust very just as lock, at the start of lockdown. Mm. Um, so basically, how it came about is where I'm currently living in the 
back end of nowhere in the sticks in Gloucestershire. Mm. Very beautiful place and very lucky that surrounded by quite nice, not massive valleys, but like valleys with massive woodland um, and some nice hills. So there's like nice bit of landscape just to sort of walk in and explore. And you can, once you get to the top, you can see over the seven from a bit of a distance, which right. is nice. On a clear day, you can see Wales, which is really lovely. That's really um, cool. So I'm very thankful for that through sort of that, that period. But I sort of invested, I've always had camera traps since I was 18 and sort of, you know, love spying on what a badger gets up to at night and all, everything like that. Mm. Um, so I actually bought a couple of new ones just before, um, yeah, at the start, of, just at the end of March, I bought a couple of new ones, which were still quite reasonable, but had like a massive step up than the one I bought when I was 18. It was <laughs> yeah. like a dinosaur. <laughs> so I got a couple of new ones and sort of a bit of trial and error for two or three weeks. And then I found a really active badger set, which was in this like, and I could see the patch of brambles where it was from the bathroom window mm. at the back of the house. So there was like, a, there's a field behind the house that someone else owns. Um, and then it goes into the woodland and there's like this little patch of scrubby bramble that borders the two. Mm. And um, yeah, after two, three weeks, I actually found the way into that bit. And then I found this really active badger set, which was a really nice little corridor where deer were going through, foxes were using. Wow, brilliant. And because I sort of realized I was getting quite a lot of camera truck footage and like everyone's had their own little lockdown series and projects sort of on Instagram or social media. So I was like, right, camera traps, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to keep me busy for. And so I sort of very much slipped into the DMS of the Gloucestershire wildlife trust on Instagram. I was just like, Look, I've just moved it. This is me. This is what I'm doing. Do you want to team up on it? Just so give it a bit of, you know, a bit more reach yeah. than anything. And, uh, so I got in touch with them. They loved it. And then sort of uh, worked with them. We did 10 episodes once a week for 10 weeks. And uh, so I sort of recorded it from my patch. And then we got people sending in uh, clips from their gardens, I think, around Gloucestershire, which was really nice. We had lots of hedgehog action, which people were getting and foxes and badgers. But yeah, some of the hedgehogs were brilliant. Yeah. So I, didn't, I don't have hedgehogs in the garden where I am. So that was really nice to see them. And uh, one of the team, Josie, she was working in the Forest of Dean on the Pine Martin project. So we were getting updates from her from the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire side. Um, and yes, yeah, so we did it for 10 weeks, kind of like a mini Gloucestershire spring watch kind of thing. And it, mm. I just, I just recorded it in the conservatory every Sunday morning. Sort of my little lockdown studio <laughs> was when the dogs were getting taken for a walk. I had the house to myself for an hour. So That's I was like, right, sat in the conservatory, talked to myself. And then, so we did that. And then from, from that, I sort of got a bit more involved. And then I've come recently just joined them as an ambassador, which is really nice. And so we're just planning some stuff for the autumn now. Oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I about two years ago, I bought myself a camera trap um, with a little bit of night vision added in here and there. And I originally I come from Leicestershire, and the only thing that I seem to be able to get from Leicestershire uh, compared to here, uh, it's so different, uh, is is hedgehogs. And I've only yeah, just you're getting hedgehogs up in Leicestershire, yeah? Yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah, loads and loads of the hedgehogs in Leicestershire. But it's it's come to a massive surprise. Uh, what was it? It was either is the earlier this week or last week where we just had had a report on hedgehogs or been at their worst numbers since time immemorial. Since records began. It's so yeah. sad. It's kind of sort of the increase in urbanisation and gardens getting very much segregated. Yeah. And Hedgehog sort of, highways, mate. It's it's yeah, the way forward. Need, we need the Tom and Jerry hole in the corner. That's it. So it's just like yeah, and there's obviously look, there's a few other factors in there as well, but mm. yeah gardens getting very much more segregated in urban areas where they usually thrive if they can't meet each other and breed then numbers are going to go down which is a shame yeah yeah Massive no, shame. it is it's um oh god i mean the amount of uh new 
like infections and different like parasites that hedgehogs can get is really starting to weigh against them too like like ringworm and different like parasites that were it's an uphill battle yes yeah it really is luckily we've got so many different people that are working as um what would you say sort of like a care like a hospice almost for injured hedgehogs where flying for the hedgehogs yeah. yeah that's it yeah there's so many of them yeah it really does warm your heart with how many people are just dedicated to just for hedgehogs just hedgehogs yeah yeah oh, they're such charismatic little creatures that it's just like i think and a lot of people can re- even if no one's ever actually seen one a lot of people relate to it. everyone knows what a hedgehog is yeah there's not a lot of people that would hear a hedgehog and not picture it in their head i think which is quite nice i think children's yeah. books and stuff i think they always sort of feature when you're young and you hear about them at school and i think everyone's kind of got a perception of one but yeah I've, to be fair i've you probably count the amount of times i've seen them alive on like both my hands like you don't see them that often yeah. um especially not very close yeah that's yeah that is true it's um god it's well when i was like me and you've got history with filmmaking and i was doing this small uh documentary piece just to highlight this uh, it's called the Barrow um, Hedgehog Rescue Centre. Uh, that's in Leicestershire, in a place called Barrow. <laughs> and Spoiler. yeah, that's it. Yeah, and the and the one of the main things that were killing them off actually was the traffic, like cars yeah. and things like that. Yeah. It was a well, it was a whole mixture of things. It was a mixture of um, them not being able to find their <clears throat> their. Um, their preferred food sources and choosing to go after snails and things like that, which they only really go after as a last resort almost. Cars and segregation of property, like you were saying. Yeah. And um, after after that, there was um, a small independent from us campaign that went around to try and like leaflet around houses to try and get people to have hedgehog highways, like knock a little hole in your fence. Fence so they can yeah. get through yeah yeah I, remember, I think my first encounters with hedgehogs as a kid was when i used to walk to primary school we had to cross a bit a fairly it was a 30 mile an hour but busy enough uh, we had to cross this road and yeah you'd often see a squished hedgehog which was a shame because it was near there's a bit of a woody area nearby but we had to cross this road to get to school and there was often yeah dead hedgehog it was kind of my first memories of one which is a shame. Mm, damn yeah that is a shame not well but uh God, it's, it's it's it seems to be all mammals are taking a, a hit in 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 the UK really. I mean, uh, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. With that camera trap, like since recording those hedgehogs, the one thing that I've been able to get reoccurrently is dormice <laughs> in the house. Really? Yeah. Like um, well, now we're up in Leicestershire. Sorry, uh, where we were, where we are now. So in Leicestershire, um, we got a lot of um, hedgehogs. We got a lot of foxes, and now as we've moved um, down south, we've got loads and loads of foxes. Lots of foxes live on the south coast. Loads of foxes, and they do quite the urban foxes down there do very well as well. Yeah, they do. I don't know why that is compared to compared to Leicestershire. Maybe it's because there's more trash. I don't mean uh, yeah bins. A lots lot of, of bins. bins yeah yeah i mean Genistic. we live um seaford sort is sort of it's called seaford it's it's like a saxon slash viking name for sea ford and it's just a dip in between two of the white cliffs so oh, nice. yeah so i don't know what the foxes are getting from that aside from bins and the seaford beach is actually fairly clean compared to say brighton beach which is absolutely horrible during the summer yeah, he's shaking your head, definitely. Um, not, not a fan in the sun. No, me neither. Need not more bins. 
Yeah, <laughs> nothing against Brighton, just needs more f-ing bins on the on the front. But yeah, um, yeah so many foxes. Uh, we're seeing uh, so many different smaller mammals. We keep, like I said, getting dormice in in the house. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's so. It's <laughs> um, I'm not really good on my small rodents, um, but it's de- it definitely looks like a dormouse from what I've seen. But on the camera trap, the first thing you see is these two, because it's obviously, it kicks, the night vision camera kicks in. All you see these two little glinting beads sticking out from underneath the fridge. And then it runs, like it beelines towards the cooker because there's loads of crumbs that fall under the cooker from everyday cooking. Yeah. And it runs back with a big nugget of like pasta or something like that into the wall behind the fridge. And it happens over and over and over again. And uh, when we just moved, me and my missus were living with her parents for a while. And her dad had to humanely yeah. catch catch these um, mice, take them outside. He'd release them into the garden. And then they'd make a beeline straight for the house again. And then came back. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, and they were back. They we set the camera up. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there must have been some oh, kind of... Where I've been staking yeah. out the badger set. Mm. Yeah, I, I get a lot of mouse action from like harvest mouse or yellow net mice. Um, mouse action. Near the, where I made the badger set because they sort of make the most of having the badger set nearby. There's lots of little things going on that they can scoff and mm. make the most of. Um, I got this one shot one day um, in April where this fox had gone to a fork in a tree where a little pool forms and he was just drinking some rainwater. Mm. And as he's gone in, a mouse has then thought, bugger, um, and then sort of it's crept out. And then the fox was so quick because when he clocked it, he then just absolutely pounced and and just nailed it. And wow. it just, I caught it all on camera and I was like, no way. That's amazing. Um, it was really cool. So there's a lot of, um, yeah, a mate of mine had a look. So um, we were pretty sure it was either a yellow necked or a wood mouse, I think. Right, I see. But, um, so that was really cool. But yeah, no, it's amazing what camera traps can pick up. And it's sort of, I've got, I've still got mine set on the Badger set whilst I'm in Essex. Just so yeah. I don't really miss any action. I mean, the battery's, probably might die this weekend because if they're i sort of can get a good solid week out of them um i got rechargeable so it's, they're probably going to die this week but hopefully been lots of cool action this week down in the badger sets so that'd be cool yes definitely i think if if there's anything to take away from this conversation is if if you're interested in your local wildlife in your area buy a camera trap they're not that expensive i mean i'd buy a decent one yeah, well, I picked mine up for like 80 quid and it's lasted me all this time. It's weatherproof, it has night vision, it's absolutely amazing. And some mean, of them have gone down to like 50 now. And if you if it's the first time one you yeah. get, there's some quite good ones for 50 quid that will do the job. And obviously, if you get into it and you want to get something a bit fancier, then then spend a bit more maybe. But yeah, there's some, there's some decent ones for not realistically, camera speaking, quite cheap. Yeah, exactly that. And then what I'd, I'd, what I'd also add to that is as soon as you get... Uh, some images or you get a mouse or you get a badger even or anything um inform your local wildlife trust i think the the people that these people really want to want to know what the numbers oh, are in their area exactly yeah. yeah so especially things like hedgehogs <laughs> which i can say absolutely. is absolutely yeah <laughs> doing absolutely well they're not your local wildlife trust and, and then just send yeah. it in and then just let them know you can report your sightings absolutely yeah yeah bang on but yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting way to keep yourself sane during lockdown. Yeah, no, it really did, and um, and I got so excited when I sort of checked them because there was like one area where I only wanted to check it maybe once a week, 
Um, and then there were some areas where I was moving it about just to see what was going on. And I was checking yeah. it more regularly because I, you know, you should leave it a bit longer, but I was too excited. Nothing else to do. I was like, yeah. what's happened last night? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I, what was the best thing was I was able to watch um, this badger litter grow up via camera traps. Um, and then what was really cool is I started seeing how active they were during the day, like all sorts of random times during the day, the badgers were coming out because it's quite quiet up there. And um, I think the, the, the young were just sort of sniffing around, being a bit dumb and naive, if I'm being honest. Because right. I'm like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. What are you doing? Why yeah. are you out? Badgers are nocturnal. Yeah, your eyesight's yeah. pants. Go back inside. Um, <laughs> so, but from there, I managed to figure out when I could go sit in a bush with my long lens and yeah. uh, with a tripod. And I just, I spent some wonderful afternoons just sat watching badgers and didn't even have to be up there all night. I was back by five, six o'clock. It's amazing. It's usually when you should be thinking about getting ready to go. So it was just like, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, fantastic. What a good way to keep yourself preoccupied. I mean, yeah. As, well, all we've got is essentially spying with a pair of binoculars out the, outside of our uh, flat windows to the car park to see what the foxes are doing, pretty much. That's God, all right, isn't it? I mean, it was, a, it was like a litter, I think, of five cubs with a f- quite a few individual adults and there was like two dog foxes in the area as well they were fighting and screaming and then you can hear predation as well so we've got a load of bushes and undergrowth just, yeah you can really loudly so uh, yeah you'd hear a, a bit of a shuffle and a scream run off into the distance you look out the window and it's a fox obviously caught a rat or something like that so yeah, yeah, yeah. hear literally everything we can hear quite a few pheasants near where we are and every now and then in the night you hear a pheasant make a sound that you're like yeah that might have been its last croak right and you yeah. just that you just know that the fox because we've got a family of foxes near us and the other night I had the most magical encounter with them mm. um they were in the field behind the house and usually we see like one just like trotting through or one trotting back kind of thing with a rabbit in its mouth yeah because i never located the den because i think their fox earth was in someone's land that i obviously had no permission and couldn't access mm. but i was like i think i roughly knew where it was and it was so frustrating because i was like it's so close but yet so far and i can't go put my camera on it <laughs> but the other night it was about four cubs and an adult and they were just playing behind the garden in the field and it was just like a little mini pack of ginger wolves just scrapping oh, and playing it was fantastic it was it was wonderful but the chances of us seeing that is again is like not probably won't happen but now it's really cool that is really cool really really cool um I think, like I said before, uh, for a while we were living with my missus's parents before we found our own place uh, on the south coast. And where we were in Peacehaven, which is a town quite close to Brighton, it's on literally on the cliff edge, and it's yeah. a lot of dormer bungalows. So right. all the bungalows are at a fairly low level, and all a lot of the roofs are con- interconnected. So mm-hmm. the young foxes, what they do is they get on like a fence and then they get on a shed and then they get on the roofs and then run all the way down and play and scamper up on the roofs that's wicked yeah they're knocked tiles off and stuff they were a pain in the ass sometimes but it was really entertaining watching them yeah just uh just having a laugh on on your roof yeah that's it foxes tap dance on your roof fiddler on the roof (laughs) (laughs) brilliant but yeah man oh yeah no i've completely forgot um the you mentioned pine martins, didn't you? So you had a you had a segment that was shown on TV with the pine martins that you the footage that you got. Yeah, no. Um, 
so this was sort of came because of teaming up with Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust and long story short into about five seconds I was in Countryfile got in touch with me back in April mm. and we had one idea which then didn't happen and then this and then I was about I said that well I'm actually about to sort of shadow obviously all from distance and everything correctly yeah. during that period um one of the team from Gloss Wildlife Trust who is monitoring the recently reintroduced pine martins in the forest of Dean and then we was able to team up on that and yeah I sort of had like a four and a half minute segment that went out on Countryfile a few weeks ago and so it was a lot of work it sort of took um I was working on it for about six to eight weeks checking camera traps maybe once a week every other week but what was really nice is sort of the girl Josie Bridges who I teamed up with so the adult pine martins are radio collared so they can monitor them and right. they've set up bait stations which they put food out regularly just so that they can they've got loads this like foresting has got like camera traps everywhere yeah. um so that as well as they they can monitor them from the collars which will fall off after a year ish give or take um they also have camera traps set up just so that they can look at their body condition and just see how the animals are doing um so what was nice is using her knowledge on the ground is because otherwise if i just went to the forest and set a camera trap up a obviously needed permission um but b it'd be like trying to find a needle in a haystack yes so having their knowledge of where they were sort of hanging out we set my cameras up one of mine is actually still there um, I'm going to go pick it up next week, week after, sorry. Um, and yeah, managed to uh, get loads of footage of pine martins. Now I've tried in Scotland a few years and I've always chimped it because they've always never, you like, you know, it's like this area is great for pine martins, put your camera there. Or if you know someone's been up there the week before you and seen it on this and then you go there, put your camera there. Yeah, don't turn up. Yeah. Um, so I kind of was like very excited knowing full well that they know where they are. Mm. Um, and we did get, um, what was really exciting is they had kits, so we got loads of kit action, scrapping and playing on logs, playing with their mum. And I managed to actually see them twice, very, very briefly, as we were in the forest for the day, like running across a footpath or something. Mm. Um, so wonderful animal. Uh, I got very much pie martin obsessed for most of May and June. Um, it was like mustelid madness because it was like I was like got a bit mad with the badgers behind the guard behind the garden. Yeah. And I was in the forest of Dean once or twice a week checking camera traps on pie martin. So yeah, it was very much mustelid mode. Um, but it was kind of like replaced marine mammals, which I was used to sort of observing in Cornwall to like little forest dwelling critters that, um, yeah, come out at night basically. So, well, and the pine martins were quite active during the day, especially the females when they had, the, when the babies were a bit younger, were sort of foraging quite a lot and sort of hunted voles and mice or, um, you know, bits and bobs like that. Right. I see. Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. I mean, you mentioned you keep you kept saying the words reintroduced. Uh, did have they gone? Uh, have their numbers declined or gone extinct in the area, Forest of Dean? Or so, historically, pine martins could have been found all over the British Isles. Well, over the UK, some of um, and Ireland as well. Right on the mainland. Um, I know they've sort of been introduced. They're on Mole now. I think that was that they were introduced onto there. But on the mainland, basically in England, historically we would have had pine martins uh, all over the shop. Yeah. Uh, relatively yeah. relatively speaking in su- where there was suitable habitat yeah. um but sort of for no fault of their own pine martins compared to other mustelids have very pristine clean and not smelly fur because a lot of mustelids are quite pongy right. so because they had quite pristine very and luxurious fur they were very much sought after by victoria in the victorian area to make coats and scarves or whatever they were being sort of to show status and stuff and because yeah. it was good quality fur that didn't stink and obviously, and then an increase in sort of gamekeeping and per, per predator persecution and loss of habitat, 
sort of increased agriculture there's a combination of factors as there always is that very much and sort of he- and very heavy persecution mm. where they then got restricted to um scotland and parts of ireland there may have been a population that clung on in sort of the border um forgive me for probably got like a little bit wrong but in the north of england they might have clung on just right um or they've recently over the last few years now spread a little bit but anyway mainly the two populations that remained were in the highlands and in northern ireland um and there's been a lot of like fantastic conservation work been going on over the last well for several decades um so when was it it would have been like five or six years ago a population were taken in were taken from scotland and reintroduced into Wales, mm. uh, into the Cambrian Mountains. And then there was a lot of surveys done um, with a lot of stakeholders, including Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust, um, in the Forest of Dean to assess the feasibility of that and the suitability of the habitat, and it's perfect for them. Um, and so the first, so 18 individuals were brought down last August to the Forest of Dean. And what, and sort of there'll be phase two is soon about to happen, actually, at some I'm not sure of the dates, but. Um, mm they're allowed to go up in phase two. There'll be another 15-ish, give or take, there might be somewhere between 15 and 20 individuals will be brought down this year um, as to bolster the population and the gene pool and stuff. And then hopefully there'll be enough to sort of get the population going. So the hope is that the population that's in Wales and the population that's on the border of Wales and England in the Forest of Dean will merge eventually. And the home sizes are huge. Like a male pine martin can have, bear in mind he's the size, they're like roughly the size of a domestic cat. Yeah. Um, Yeah can have a territory as big as 20 square kilometers, which is just vast and enormous. So they have like such a relatively small animal, they have a huge home range. Um, So, and yeah, there's wonderful little critters and they do a lot. And obviously, yeah, they've got very broad diets. They're very good for ecosystems and stuff. Um, So yeah, so it was very cool to sort of team up with a, um, a, well, just not team up, shadow and get to see what was going on. And um, what's a really neat adaptation of pie martins is, like a few species in the UK, they have delayed implantation. Right. So basically the females will mate, but then the, um, and there's different things that happen for different animals, but basically they can delay the pregnancy. So as much as they're technically pregnant, the fetus won't start developing. Right. Um, and there's a few different methods with different species, how that happens. Some it's like the fetus will, it will fertilize and then it will pause or sometimes it will just, they could store it and then it happens. And it's a few weird technical parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but long story short, uh, so all the females that arrived in last August were all pregnant already, but mm. the kits wouldn't have actually started really, wouldn't have developed until like December, January. And so I think it's like roughly a three month pregnancy ish. Mm. Um, so then they're born in the spring. So that basically they've got a better chance of survival when spring, better weather, more food rather than them. Sort of, and then they were made to, mate again sort of i think roughly now um and then they delay it again till so they can have them born in the spring sort of in like april may time so that they've got lots of food and stuff like that so that's really cool because all that males and uh, females that are in the forest of dean now it's like if the kids grow up and there's females the dominant males that have been brought down the chance of them being their dads is you know very 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 slim because they've been collected from a few different areas from scotland last year so yeah. that's really cool because then they've got a very diverse gene pool which is really that's exciting it. That's brilliant. Well done. That's a, that sounds like a colossal amount, like, amount of work, really. It was it was a lot of work, and then yeah. um, and also when I was like reviewing the footage segment, I had to go sit under a tree with my laptop in the woods, and a few <laughs> people walked 
past and you just look like a right plonker but uh, <laughs> sort of like talking to yourself in the forest with a laptop you know and you just look a bit weird I found like a really a fairly quiet bit and obviously but someone did walk past with a dog you're like oh morning yeah <laughs> keep, keep moving um so that was quite fun so that was really that was a really cool project to look at and um yeah great, and a really cool animal that's really really cool, really cool. uh Right, we've we've only got a few mi- minutes left because naturally this is a Zoom call and they are they are timed, and uh, and and the kids will be coming back soon, so we won't be able to record <laughs> you anymore. Can't get out of your cupboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trapped. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, for future plans after after like self isolating becomes a little bit of the thing in the past and things like that, have you got any future plans for yourself that you want to get started with? There's a lot of ideas up here. Um, it's not, yeah, there's something going on up in my brain. It's not all <laughs> yeah. the time. Um, now, I'm working on a few ideas at the minute, sort of trying to pitch. Uh, and I've been having chats with some producers and stuff. It's just a very, there's a lot, it's a slow process and there's a lot of boxes to tick and things. So I'm working on some ideas. Um, so hopefully one of them will get pushed forward. Um, hopefully doing a few bits and bobs through the autumn. But really, it's just trying to like get, programs off the ground uh and try and get the broadcasting career moving forward um as best we can so yeah. but programming's all been a bit weird this year with everything that's going on so yeah i'm working on ideas i'm having meetings and i'm just hoping that something will come to light um and obviously teaming up more with gloucestershire wildlife trust for the autumn we're going to put a series of little films together at some of their reserves uh, with all sort of autumnal fills quite excited we're going to do one that's focusing on some of their work to risk uh, with like ancient oaks and woodlands and stuff like that so that'd be really exciting to see and uh, with a few other sort of autumnal field and we might do something with the overwintering birds as well so that'd be really nice Ooh, very nice i like the sound that'd of that cool. yeah man so for the time being i'll be in gloucestershire for a bit longer um for the next for the foreseeable really and then um hopefully get back down to Cornwall in a few years time is my plan right brilliant that sounds great well thank you very hey, much billy uh oh yeah well myself uh just um just carrying on the with the podcast really um a few a couple of other people have maybe put in a couple of uh inquiries whether i can produce their podcast but mainly i want to expand this podcast to be something that reoccurs every single week i posted an update um not long ago sharing yeah it's um I want to be able to do a couple of different segments as long alongside these interviews. So um, I call them interviews. They're more of just casual chats, really, about what's going on. Yeah. But um, yeah, these chats mixed in with something called the A to Z. So the last the first one that I released was A to Z Axolotl, which was um, essentially um, you use your imagination and I fill in the blanks with a lot of um, decent audio. And we go on an and go on a like an adventure because the cicada lounge is essentially it's a bar. <laughs> so the idea behind it is the cicada lounge is a bar, and the entrance to get into the bar is always moving. So it's jumping around the planet. So Wicked. you walk into the bar, we have a chat and have a drink, a cocktail, and then we walk out through another door, and then just sort of engage with an animal in this imaginary space with plenty of decent yeah. sound effects nice little adventure and we wicked that we went fun. that sounds awesome yeah in the a to axolotl uh a to z axolotl we went uh diving in the in the canals near lake Xochimilco to look for the last remnants of their ecosystems and 
the last axolotls in the wild and things like that and what we can do to preserve the species and the ne- next one is the bee hummingbird oh yeah. cool a spoiler it's a bee hummingbird <laughs> spoilers <laughs> yeah let's come back and have a chat at another point because this was really good fun yes brilliant well thank you very much for coming on uh really appreciate it cool thanks for having me buddy and i hope all, all is best and uh good luck when the twins come back and you have you're no longer able to hide in your cupboard <laughs> yeah i'll have to hide in the car this time yeah you gotta go back <laughs> to parent duty now mate <laughs> <laughs> Right, that was fantastic. Thank you again so much, Billy, uh, for coming on the podcast and having a chat. Um, Really, really appreciate it, mate. We'd love to have you back on again uh, sometime very soon. Uh, Also, uh, just to correct myself, it's not a dormouse that I had in my house. It's just a house mouse, I believe, from the footage. Definitely not a dormouse. Yeah, like I said before, I'm not very good with my uh, small rodents. (laughs) But um, thank you again so much, Billy. Uh, you can follow uh, what Billy's up to and the different projects he has going on with the UK's wildlife as well as his adventures around the world uh, on his Twitter, which is at Billy Heaney. So that's capital B for Billy, one word, Heaney, H-E-A-N-E-Y, Billy Heaney. Uh, and you can follow him uh, on on uh, Instagram, I believe, as well. So... Um, he updates really frequently on his Twitter and other social media. So, yeah, just uh, see what he, see what he's up to. He's up to quite a lot. But, yes, thank you again so much for listening. If you want to help the podcast out in any way, the best way to do that is to leave a review. So, anywhere you can leave a review, please, please feel free to leave a review. Uh, I read every single one of them. Uh, I can suggest iTunes just because iTunes seems to be where uh, most of the traffic comes from, uh, where new listeners come from. So I'd really appreciate it. I'd really appreciate it. It'd really help out the podcast if you did. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for listening once again. Uh, the new um, A to Z um, animals comes out really soon. Like we mentioned in the podcast, spoiler, it is the bee hummingbird. So yes, look out for that one when it uploads. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again.